Hello, um, my name is Alex, and this is the first episode of the Talking Turtle podcast. Uh, I have been waiting to start my own podcast for almost a year now, but for some reason, I constantly talked myself out of it. Eventually, I read this book a close friend of mine lent me called The War of Art. I don't exactly remember the author, but um, this friend is one of the people that most pushed me out of my comfort zone and made me become a better version of myself. The book really brought, really um, shed some light on why most people are able to convince themselves they're okay with not doing what they know they ought to do. I think David Hume, um, the Scottish philosopher, argued that we can't derive a knot from an is. And this means, roughly, that we find ourselves unable to do something with the factual knowledge we possess of the world. We know a lot about what is, but it is seemingly difficult to actually implement it. What we know is many times difficult to employ in reality. And so, I knew a podcast is what I had to do. And I knew what I wanted to say, but I didn't actually do it because knowing I had to do it and actually doing it are two very separate things. Um, the War of Art just about explains how we surpass this gap and enforce what we know into action. It, um, it explains how we tend to rationalize procrastination surfacing from the premise that all of us, in a sense, have something we came here to do, albeit becoming parents, clockmakers, uh, I don't know, writers or athletes. Many people struggle with what the author calls um, resistance, which is um, the force that prevent us, prevents us from doing what we're supposed to do. Um, and resistance is not only on the level of artistic expression. It is also applicable, for example, with starting a diet. And you, you keep saying to yourself, I'll start next week, and then you don't. Or with stopping smoking. What happens is we possess the knowledge to do so, but we constantly engage in dialogues with that side of us that wants us to fail. And we all possess that side. We possess the good in us and the bad in us. And the bad in us really wants to see everything in flames. And sometimes we let it win. Um, the solution to our own sabotage is to, I think, get a grip of ourselves and work hard. Stop with the excuses and every day attempt to initiate or, or practice that which allows for us to do what we have to do and for that to become enjoyable and not this frustrating thing we have to do and it's become this monster we have to deal with. It seems like I'm, I'm telling you the usual teachings of self-help books or motivational speech, speeches and I think that's because it, it kind of is that. Um, it is as simple as recognizing that the voice inside our heads that tells us we're not good enough to do whatever it is that we that fascinates us that voice is lying um and the book also goes into some depth on how most problems in our world are consequences of people not risking or attempting to become what they want to be
we all have this ideal of who we want to be as soon as we become become more or less self-conscious and that is a human trait and obesity and directing hate towards others becoming resentful these are side effects of people not doing what they know inside they should be doing and people are perhaps not incentivized to do what they dream of doing and maybe they could fight the lack of incentive and actually do it like all those geniuses that they're crafted we admire people because there is some quality in them we would like to possess um like lebron james and john lennon and tiger woods and cristiano ronaldo and einstein and ernest hemingway and dostoevsky and and Bukowski and Mark Twain they became great at what they do or did because they took it seriously and they they knew it involved responsibility and they knew it wasn't up to them to decide whether or not they felt like doing it it was bigger than bigger than them and so they went ag against all odds and worked very 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 hard to reach their goals People become frustrated and give up because some obstacles are part of the process and they accumulate grudges towards society. This is for me what seems to be happening around the world with inclusivity and equality and diversity initiatives. I am for all of us having the same opportunities to attempt doing what we want to do. Everyone should have the possibility to at least attempt. Everyone should be given the chance and should be seen equally whilst attempting. Those who should stand out should be those who have the merit to stand out. A meritocracy is not the privileging of those who seem to have more difficulties and therefore we should praise them harder. A meritocracy is the victory of those who worked harder, became greater and should they if, if, and, and should be a meritocracy is them which are effectively greater and therefore deserve to be praised and nowadays we see a lot of participation prizes being distributed giving the false illusion that you are just as good as the best among us just because you can handle the fact that perhaps you should have worked a bit harder and maybe those were who who got what they wanted or what you wanted as well for yourself maybe they worked far more intensely in far more hours this difficulty with handling reality and the frustration that comes from mostly resistance induced laziness and the accommodating of a mental mentality of the world being guilty for your incapability to work a bit harder is leading to a soft youth that is not focusing on becoming a strong adult. They indulge, indulge in, in slaps on the back for good effort. They loaf and settle for, I'm good enough as it is, no need to work on bettering myself. Uh, everyone else must accept my lazy life choices and cater to them in a way that I get just the same amount of merit and outcome as those who work very, very hard on becoming the best they can be. This behavior acted out by many people these days, although immediately retract, retracted from once questioned about it, is what is leading to the denial of the reality of things. <clears throat> Sorry. 
you work hard, you get what you want. Those who do not get the same as some, who may deserve it more for a numerous amount of reasons, varying from merit on hard work, to their immense capability on what they do, to the fact that they're just plain better. Those who don't get the same outcome, as they do not deserve it, deny that the difference between them and those who strive, and straight away cry out discrimination or, or prejudice. Thereafter, their discourse becomes very grounded on their misconception of reality. And anyone that might try to argue them into reason or call them to, ten to, to, to attention on the faults, faults of their argument is bypassed or aggressively insulted and labeled as discriminating by a sexist, racist, and people-phobe. <laughs> These people are not hoping to understand the world in a more healthy way. They are not trying to find why they might be wrong. They much prefer to be wrapped up in this warm blanket of delusional victim playing. The, te the tension between opposite positions is what has allowed for history to evolve, or so it seems to be. In every major happening, there was some pre-established pre status quo interrupted by some force directly opposing it and working to dissolve this order. This is a necessary occurrence, as the permanence in order leads to the stagnation of the human mind and therefore the conformity to how things are. And how things are is not always desirable. The occasional descent into chaos is what enables growth. And we need to grow. Human beings have dwelled on questions on how to act ever since they have developed the ca capacity to do so. Questions on the meaning of life and on how to act in the face of the understanding of our finitude. These questions have been raised by many men throughout history and inevitably many different answers have been put forward. From hedonism to self-mortification, from the denial of physical reali reality to the denial of metaphysical presuppositions, all sought to find a solution for the ultimate reality, or at least what seems to be the ultimate reality, pain. It's funny because I was reading um, Alan Watts's Eastern Wisdom, Modern Life, I think it's called. And he goes on to explain um, the Buddhist Four Noble uh, Truths, I think. And he, he compares or yeah, he compares the Buddhist solution to a doctor and he there's four truths to the diagnosing of the person and in the, the curing of the person. And so the disease we all suffer from is dukkha. I think that's how it's, we call it. And it's the disease from which human beings, and now I'm reading, um, the disease from which human beings suffer. And it means something approximately like anguish or suffering in a special sense. And the cause of the disease, it's it's in uh, Sanskrit. Sanskrit is called Trishna, which means desire, and um, it's the the fact that we tend to clutch onto things or to to grasp violently things. And the solution he offers, the cure for our disease of anguish, is Nirvana, to release. 
And so the prescription for the cure is marga, which means path, the Buddhist way of life. And why I find this relevant is because we tend to grasp onto our points of view so hard. And that prevents history from moving. That prevents us from growing. And because we grasp so hard what we think, we become so emotionally attached to it. We become anguished and frustrated when people disagree. And these different perspectives mustn't be mutually exclusive. They coexist because we can engage in many practices belonging to different doctrines and search for our own way of accepting our condition of being, which is you live, you die. Maybe there's more to it, but this is what we know. Everything we do might be considered useless because you're about to die. You need to find meaning. And these doc doctrines offer different views on how to deal with that. And to say that, that only some perspectives are valid would be saying that all others are invalid. And, and going a step further, which is what seems to be happening more violently, violently now, is saying only one perspective is acceptable is leading to the censorship of all others. And that scares me. This is one of the reasons I started the podcast. It became urgent because some people are being censored and banned from the internet for voicing opinions that are, are, are now controversial. And they wouldn't be two decades ago. What this seems to be creating is a fascist mentality in many people, ostracizing and demonizing people with different views and completely avoiding or shutting down disagreements. This means that one side of the conversation is trying to dominate the other. And not only that, it is attempting to eliminate all possible conversations. And freedom of speech has been what enabled us to come up with some sort, some of the, of the greatest ideas that men brought to the world. And in times of censorship, there is a silent and unspoken war on the human mind. And heart and culture are undermined. And what seems to be left is shallow propaganda and, and distracting entertainment. And this is alarmingly becoming our reality. I mean, discourse has been neglected by some ideologies. And unfortunately, it is affecting our ability to come up with, with art. Comedy, for example which has been since the dawn of human civilizations very appreciate, appreciated and, and uh, formed to voice truths without being reprehended as it was understood as humorous. And uh, Jordan Peterson explains this a lot better th th than I do, the archetype of the gesture. But the gesture describes quite, tr quite truthfully what, it, what is, though in a satirical way. And, and so he's allowed to say the truth about the king, but he, no one reprehends him because he's being humorous. And comedy is transforming itself into a politically correct uttering of the most dramatic and exaggerated nonsense. And, and there's no freedom of speech if, you, if, if your trait of possibly getting offended gets you to forbid or protest anything that might be offensive. Being offended is a capacity of the ego. Your true self knows there is no need to be offended. Many times, if we become offended and hurt because a certain fact is stated and we much much prefer, prefer to deny it. But if our ego and pride are put aside, 
we realize we can view what was initially offensive as, as constructive and we can actually grow from it. And to allow for us to exist in a state of fear and, and of censorship, especially after what we have learned from the ideology, ideological struggles we've had this past century would be preposterous. Yet a lot these days is the the technological advances we've made allowed for information to arrive to most parts of the world and this permitted the calming of many confrontations that were anything but beneficial alexander sold i will butcher his name uh, alex alexander sojanitschen alexander sojanitschen Anyway, Alexander Sozin said once that, and I think I'm, I, I'm, I will be paraphrasing, uh, the quote goes something like, violence can only be concealed by a lie, and the lie can only be concealed by violence. And the rapid access we have nowadays to knowledge should be synonymous to more truthful behavior from people. Surprisingly, many people around the world remain in ignorance and uninterested. Violence seems to be the solution to many, and to keep up with that, one must found his reasoning in lies. And to believe that some opinions are more desirable than others is fallacious. If people learned to make more thought through judgments, opinions would be most likely not would most likely not become so polarized, some of them actually being harmful. But combating harmful opinions with censorship is ludicrous. I mean, education and civilized debates are the only way to go. And when, when one of the parties is not willing to engage in a debate, this probably means this person is in need of psychological help. To deal with some resistance from others with criticism and with disagreeance, and it, it is something we're supposed to learn as children. We are not to be too agreeable to the point we are puppets and nor disagreeable enough to the point we are not open enough to listen to others. This is also something that I learned from Jordan Peterson. And if we believe that we know already what is to be known, we are fooling ourselves. And when faced with different perspectives, our reaction will be denial and violence, outrage and temper tantrums like children. This common attitude we see today of unfounded article readers, internet commenters of international issues and Facebook post politicians, assuming they possess already all the information and putting themselves on a higher step than others is the trigger of the shutting down of conversations. So concepts aren't agreed upon, which is essential nor are con concepts specified and people believe the BuzzFeed article was pot on with its explanation of political theory. And so pe people believe to be experts and, and when they, when someone presents solid evidence against what they're saying, the immediate response is that they're misinformed and the, the source is biased. It should be so easy to access sources that would give us an unbiased view. But then the censorship isn't just happening in person. It's also happen happening on social media. And the algorithms at first, at least I think unintentionally, prevented us from seeing information from the other side because it sees what we enjoy 
and and it feeds us more of that and so we end up with only our preferences which is theoretically ideal but but in in practice it's not ideal at all because we should be drinking from both fountains not just what we believe believe in but we should master the, the opposition's view so we understand ours better and maybe shape ours to, to, to become better now social media is blatantly censoring banning and blocking people and prohibiting them from 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 expressing their views whether these views are extreme or not as long as they're in disagreement, they're wrong and they're bad and and one might be banned for being merely stating online his thoughts on some more radical attitudes that have been taking over and to point out the obvious erraticism of many is not only offensive but potentially legislated against this this leads to biased information the control of the media by those who prefer to live inside a misconstructed and inaccurate worldview and the censoring of anyone who has the courage to fight back and to fight against it means at times to become rather insulting and I, I i i hope not to become insulting and i don't agree with being aggressive but if some entity is actively targeting your work because you disagree with with the majority or what seems to be a loud minority over the course of time that becomes frustrating and one must be hard hard or harsh in order to maintain his right to speak up but many people prefer not to vocalize what seems to be true most of them are probably unaware of the dangerous offshoots of limited and controlled expression entertainment is now linked tightly to this agenda and so television shows reek of political correctness correctness and and many times ignorance however this is not particularly horrible because whomever is slightly interested in the true of the matter does not wish to engage with these sorts of leisures. Art seems to be in danger um, anyway, because the foundations to the creation of a piece of art are the dissolution of the personal ego and creating something bigger than the, 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 the artist himself or herself. Art seeks to tell some truth about ourselves as humans and I think it seeks to represent whatever is happening that is relevant. It doesn't belong to a political party. Art is art is for for truth seekers, and it is for those who wander looking for the 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 transcendent. And to create art, one must be true to himself, and not do something that fits into an economical mold that might allow for it for for his piece. To, to sell to the masses it is not produced in an environment of stupidity it is an expression of incredulity concerning the direction reality is going towards it is it has revolutionary intent many times it partakes in the development of human thought and and it expresses many times as a form of critique the exact reality and artists create in states that require that require open-mindedness they procure to to transcend themselves and many even speak of muses possessing their bodies or taking control of their work when they begin it and 
this is what what frightens me to restrict freedom of speech is is to restrict to the possible creation of amazing literature astonishing painting and life-changing music it is to be robbed of the delicious fruits the human mind can flourish and a world that engages in censorship is at war with consciousness and and this war is bound to deprive us from bettering existence in a state of war Art and culture are neglected. Art is one of the main vehicles through which the human mind is deciphered. And there is no art with censorship. As, unless it's in the form of, alle of allegory. But, I mean, to restrict freedom of speech is to live in a dystopian world. Where up is down and down is up and how could it not? And the fact we are able to think and work on our ideas the fact that we organize ourselves in societies and the fact that society shapes us and allow us allows us to to partake in conversations as social beings it, it strongly indicates that we are not to exist peacefully if discourse is not in, encouraged and when man does when men don't attempt to speak and this has happened throughout history Violent conflict arises and it is solved at the cost of many lives. And with the overpowering of, of one side comes the, the hegemony of the other. In, Soviet, in the Soviet, Soviet Union, between the 1920s and the 1980s, millions of people died. The country lived in a state of instability and it was maintained with a hyper lie that the normalization of, of, of this enforced distorted of this enforced, distorted view of reality. It became so normal to believe the, the big lie that was being told. And what is desirable is the tension between opposite philosophies to coalesce into a better-than-before middle ground that allows a, a, a balanced walk towards the future. To discuss a topic with the hopes of getting the best out of the opponent is not the outlook, outlook you want. The healthy, healthy way is to do. The healthy way to do is always assuming you might be wrong and thus always work to learn more and deepening your view of things, learn, learning to listen to others and, and creating a, a place that allows for others to engage in the conversation. The, the world stagnates because it is shaped by men. And if men conform to the state it is in, then it remains this way. And to remain this way is not optimal at all. We must aim higher at all times. Perfection is not something we can actually uh, reach, at least not to our knowledge, but aiming high is what seems to allow us to evolve. And the, the collateral emotions we get from being aware we are approaching what, what we aimed at with hard work and, and sweat and tears, these, these emotions are undeniable and, and, and satiating. And to be driven, driven by, by something real seems to be more satisfying than to be driven by a collectivist ideology we don't truly understand, which is the same to say to be driven by driven by some some big movement just to feel like a part of something and so we can label ourselves as this or that people must m must focus primarily on themselves on on their own improvement they must focus on becoming as knowledgeable as they can on the topics they are interested in 
that that move them and make them willing to change and better and because because to understand something superficially and, and be so openly grasping this doctrine and yelling on other people's faces only leads to miscommunication and, and divides and, and unnecessary conflict. I know this 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 seems to just be referring to, to current politics, but actually this is something that is a lot more frequent this is something a lot more frequent than you might think. If you keep an eye out, you might realize that um, that that this dangerous attitude is present in a lot of people. Those people that take over a healthy conversation, unwilling to to concede their position when debunked, unwilling to forfeit and and turning it into an emotional turmoil of nonsense and fallacious misinformed misinformed arguments. And this sort this sort of people are impossible to debate. They are not open to it, and the mindset is dangerous because they are far more compelling with irrational antics on how they are a victim and deserve to be pitied, than than a rational argument is. And I'm still confused on what the solution might be, to to helping them better their point of view and their position. I think. I think it takes mostly patient patience and and understanding because most of them have had difficulties and difficult experiences and as well i mean we all do and and they might not have dealt with the, the, these difficult experiences in the best way or maybe they really want to stand up and speak loudly which indicates they are in strong need of attention and they seek it through a cause if you remain patient and loving and also humble, which means sometimes you, you, the person is saying nonsense and you have to be calm and be open to listening, listening to the person and saying, okay, I, I, I informed myself on this topic as best as I could and I'm listening to you, but I don't think you're right. If you, if you remain this way without becoming, becoming infuriated, they will possibly give in at some point. I think I've accomplished that myself at least once because I, I tried my best to, 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 to keep the conversation civil. And I tried my best to, to detach myself from the, the possible emotions it could bring me. And at some point, the person might actually become more self-aware and and with the patience that i'm as asking from you it you practice something important and and you better your arguments and you help someone become less frustrated and more self-aware and for them as they will have a healthier outlook on the world and themselves they'll actually direct their compassion to real causes i think yeah I think this is good for now. <laughs> um, um, thank you for listening to the to this first e episode. I got a little excited there. Um, initially, it will be just me speaking my mind, hopefully learning something from it and maybe developing my thought process. Um, and maybe, just maybe, 
you 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 get some idea here that triggers a better idea f on you and and if you if it does make sure you share maybe we can start a, a very interesting conversation on on something and also you can you can um, reach me to to give some ideas on what the next topic for the, for the next podcast might be if if you have something that you would like me to talk talk about um also i'm open to being criticized if only constructively and i really do hope to become better at this i'm very weirded out by this microphone right now it's very strange to be alone in a room and and still feel judged i feel very touched by this microphone but um eventually i i hope to bring some guests to to the podcast i i have a group of friends that i would love to come speak to me all of them people who live super interesting lives and they m probably have a lot to say that might be to the very least inspiring to you um <laughs> i um i again i'm truly grateful for anyone who listened my name is alex and um this was the Talking Turtle Podcast numero uno. Obrigado. <laughs>